0: We'll be talking with comic artist Ethan Nicole and you'll hear how he went from literally living in a van down by the riverside to being an Eisner award-winning artist with an animated series on Fox and working on the Emmy-nominated VeggieTales while also writing a comic about bears taking over the world yeah all those things happened you may know him as the creator of Axe Cop let's find out more about Ethan on today's episode of create explode repeat hi Ethan
1: how are you I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Where do you hail from? I consider myself an an, an Oregonian, which my earliest memories are Colorado, but around seven or eight, we moved to Oregon. Lakeside, which is where I was in high school, which is like a tiny little town, which the hub of town is a flashing red light on a four-way stop sign. Nice. (laughs) That's the, the main intersection of town, and we have a hardware store and like a... A uh, little grocery store, and that's the the hardware store is also where everybody rents their movies kind of place. That's awesome. That's it's awesome. a lake town. People go there just as a resort, and there's kind of two kinds of people that live there. And was, they literally are divided by train tracks. Like on one side of the tracks is like the retirement people, and the other side is the p- people that do meth all the time because the cops don't come out there. Nice. <laughs> nice. The meth side so, and the retirement yep. side. And then also, before we lived there, we lived in an area called Empire, which everybody called Methpire, which is. Like the third highest meth rated meth oh wow area in Oregon next to like Eugene and Portland, which are like metropolitan areas, and then Coos Bay is a tiny town, but like Oh wow. So I <laughs> That's come from sad. Like, my family didn't touch the stuff, but there's a lot of meth around. So you were in the retirement side of town? Or was there like another little
0: enclave? No, we lived where, uh... we,
1: no, we lived in uh, like low income housing because my mom I lived I had a single mother who was very poor. So Yeah, really housing that was like the price was lowered for families who couldn't afford housing. So
0: now I know you have a younger brother, and we'll get into that. Uh, what, what do you have other brothers and sisters? too? Yeah. Who,
1: who are your other brothers and sisters? And in- I'm the oldest of all of them. I have a brother that's two years younger, Noah. He's a he's a Marine, and then I have a brother who's six years younger, named, named Isaiah. He's going and he's becoming like an ethical hacker right now. It's like his thing he's doing. Ethical hacker. Yeah, he's oh, that's learning cool. hacking so he can that's like cool. hack the hackers. Hack the hackers. Yeah. Nice. So those are the brothers I, I grew up with. And then my dad remarried. So, my first sister, she was born right around. I remember she was a baby when I graduated high school. And then another sister two years later. And then Malachi was the surprise brother that came along when we <laughs> thought it was all done. It's like, all I'm done. not getting any more siblings. Shop is closed yeah. up. Yeah. And then, because my dad's like in his 60s and his wife is in her 40s. Yeah. Suddenly, Malachi comes along and he's 24 years. I'm 24 years old and I got another brother. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll jump into that too. That's like
0: the origin of Axe Cop. Is that is your is your other brother? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, now you you also said you were you a, always an
1: artist? Have you always drawn? I like is that one started. of the first things you did? I, I don't remember when the fascination began. I, it's it happened early enough that it just always felt like part of me. Like I always was creating and drawing and wanting to make stuff and spending all the time i could doing it like, i don't remember that beginning oh wow that's so cool like like i didn't have uh, like
0: music i know i've always played and loved music uh, mm-hmm. for a long time but it wasn't like a, a thing where like when i was like 3 i was picking up a guitar or a piano mm-hmm. you know so that's that's kind of neat it's kind of neat to have that yeah. sort of uh yeah, it like, almost feels like in the, that
1: like when people call it like when people call a talent a gift to me that's kind of what it means like It's not that like talent was handed to you and then it comes easy, but it was a gift in the sense that it was a thing that was handed to me, like a desire that was handed to me. It's still your choice what you do with it, but like I I, I didn't choose to be artist. You were born that way? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or something happened when I was so young. Because I do know that that's the story my parents tell, is that my grandpa made me a little chalkboard, and that was the first thing I started drawing on. Mom said that she started putting my hand on her hand and drawing circles and stuff, and uh, pretty soon I was pushing her hand away and trying to draw better stuff than she was teaching me. And, and, uh, and then she always tells the story that when I, uh, the first day of preschool I went in and the, they actually called her on the phone and said, your son's drawing at like an eight-year-old level. He's three years old. Oh, wow. Apparently, like they, it was enough that they actually called her up. <laughs> <laughs> We're concerned. Yeah. Your child may be drawing inappropriate. Yeah, uh, yeah he's an, drawing inappropriate at tom- level. <laughs> anatomically correct human beings. <laughs> that's ah, aw- no, that's so
0: cool though it's like uh, you know so you you sort of knew or your family knew that you definitely could be heading towards a career in art it was uh, always assumed my whole life and did you and I, always assume that too did you say i'm 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 an artist i'm always yeah.
1: i'm gonna do art and it was always cartoons i was always some kind of version of a cartoons or something in that realm it's just i just always knew that's what i loved and wanted to do like i always knew i didn't want to be a fine artist i didn't want to you didn't want to do landscapes. Yeah, or. I didn't want to paint yeah, landscapes and stuff. Like I knew I wanted to tell silly, funny, fun, ridiculous stories. Oh man, and you have <laughs> you <laughs> have some great I need to bring them all in. I have like
0: I have most of your huh. I'm very fanboy here. Okay. <laughs> so um I'm not I may not be the I may not have lines memorized from all of them, but I have a lot of I have back to I know I have Chumble Spus. Okay. And I those those are those incredible. are incredible.
1: Those are as unhinged as
0: Oh my gosh. I love those, but I also, I just, I really like, you know, I like all your stuff. I I think it's great. And, um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you here, but I know that you've been out there for a while working, working the internet and with Axe Cop. And, and again, we're going to come, we're going to come around to that, everybody, for those of you that are, um, want to know more about that. But, um, so you were drawing you're drawing anatomically correct people at age 3 <laughs> no, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right? that's a joke. You were you were <laughs> doing more you know you were drawing things that other little kids like where they're drawing sticks for the arms yeah. you're you're drawing arms that are like filled out maybe or you're adding digits that other kids just aren't even seeing those mm-hmm. details. So what was your first comic? What was your first release? What did you put out something that like other people were reading and caring about or wondering about?
1: My first, they were excited. I think my first technically first published work was the D.A.R.E. program in my local town in Coos Bay. Uh, we used to have a D.A.R.E. officer that would come and talk about meth. why we shouldn't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, why we shouldn't do meth. Because <laughs> there's and, a lot of meth in Coos And Bay. so I did a comic called uh, The Drug Busters, which was basically a ripoff of the Ninja Turtles. It was about a rabbit, a weird bird-looking thing, a human, and a panda bear with like a faux hawk. And I think that might have been yeah, there's four of them. And they all just say dude and radical all the time. And they're like, We're gonna kick drugs' asses. But they don't oh they don't say ass. They say we're gonna kick drugs butts. Uh, it's gonna be radical. And uh they eat pizza. It's just a ripoff of the turtles. But um the funniest thing to me about the story is like it shows my complete ignorance of drugs because <laughs> the the main bad guys in it are total ripoffs of the of foot of robotic foot soldiers from a comic I really like. The Ninja Turtle comic I was reading at the time. They're these giant foot soldiers that are cyborgs and it makes them e- easy you beat them up and they fall to pieces and it's okay you know it's still pg because they're just robots and so i made mine the marijuana monsters and they're they run on <laughs> liquid marijuana running <laughs> running through the robotic liquid veins marijuana. and they walk around with these syringes of, of marijuana <laughs> and they sneak like in my comic there's a kid hanging out on the street corner with like his walkman and it's like cool 80s hairdo and he's like clicking his fingers you know just hanging out rocking out and then uh, all of a sudden, a marijuana monster jumps out of the shadows and like holds him. and he's like holding a needle of a syringe of marijuana up to the kid's neck, and the kid's like, "No!" And the needle's like an inch away, and all of a sudden, the drug busters jump out and fight, and they're like, "I can't remember. Really. They say something like, "Dude, are you ready to party?" And they start fighting them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how old were you when you did that? It's ten. You were ten, and they, that is so. And they published it as like a coloring book, so it got released. Who to, like, published it? dare like as oh, like dare. A, oh okay but so just locally okay all so right like that like all the schools in their district like got like free ethan nicole drug buster coloring books so that was like my first taste of like you're
0: kind of like hometown hero there yeah i mean i mean really i mean in a town that small with a kid that's i mean i know like it, i'm a teacher so if we have a kid who's like you know they can sing opera when they're in sixth grade or something we're like oh my gosh this yeah. kid you know and uh, was there any weird pressure being? Yeah, there is a weird pressure, especially
1: growing up in a really, in a poor family. Like that's kind of like the the constant thing you hear all your life is like, "Oh, you're gonna make us all rich one day." Ah, <laughs> oh yeah. Like if you win the lottery, you're gonna there, take yeah, care of all. It of It is kind like of like a general assumption that if you have that, like a natural talent or something. I don't. know You call it like you know. My dad had it too. My dad was an opera singer. Like oh, there we go. You. He nearly became famous. I mean, he sang in the Metropolitan Opera. Like he kind of just barely, almost made it. And that was the weird thing growing up. I had a, a home, a homeless father who could sing a professional opera. <laughs> crazy. Why was he home because homeless? After, because he was trying to be a musician and it just uh, didn't work out. Or he's got that other bohem, things? bohemian kind of thing going on okay. partly, but he yeah. also he went through a big depression after my parents divorced when I was eight. So, and that was the mm. my. That's the crazy thing about my childhood. Like I. I felt so normal to me at the time. But I look back and, like, my parents divorced when I was eight. My dad suddenly lives in his van. And so now, because usually when your parents divorce, you visit the other parent in some arrangement every other weekend, every other week. So we were every other weekend going and sleeping in my dad's van with him. Oh, <laughs> down, by the, uh, down, by down by the down by docks. Down oh by the docks, gosh. yeah. And he, and he he chose, <laughs> yeah. and rather than to get work, to just fish. He loved fishing and he would sing opera. But he was very religious, so he only sang... Uh, you know, like Christian songs, Ave Maria, yeah, but really loud. Like my dad's <laughs> voice was trained to sing to auditoriums with like no mics. Wow! So, so. he would
0: sing like down by the docks, and, and he, and, he like, was
1: Pentecostal. So if you know, like, oh yeah, so like an unhinged Pentecostal that has a trained opera voice was my dad. <laughs> oh, that would and, be a very interesting, yeah, <laughs> turn like any, going into tongues. Buzz. Yeah, yep. That's I could
0: that. I hear. I mean, I see a lot of that yep. in Chumblespuzz and yeah. and uh,
1: I, I totally remember. Heard. I actually remember. a the pastor taking my dad aside and asking him if he could tone it down a little bit. The pastor of the Pentecostal <laughs> church. Hey, you're I a little that, too Pentecostal. My here. dad quit I think my dad quit that church, but I remember that he being very upset by because he's like, you're just cause you could outside the church you could hear my dad over everybody. Oh man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So and how's your dad? Is he still around? Is yep. he yeah? He's getting definitely getting older. He's like I think he's around seventy five now, I wanna say he was born in like nineteen forty, forty one. So uh yeah he's kind of just starting to get some of those signs of having a tough time remembering things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So did, did your dad, I mean, was his,
0: maybe his music career, was there any inspiration for you in, in your creative path, like in art or in music, like seeing that he was, you know, like I doing never that saw it at that as a age career. Or you never saw it. You just heard about it later.
1: Cause it was before I, it was either before I was born or right around when I was born that my dad oh. decided he wasn't going to pursue it. He was going to, He he had a big religious conversion and decided that he wasn't going to pursue fame. Mm. He has a crazy backstory when you go into his life in New York and, like, his past marriages. And he has a whole other, like, five lives he's lived before before I came along. Crazy stories and, like, being into the occult and drugs and, like... Oh, wow. So he really... Fame and, like, he was trained by some of the top voice coaches in the area, like, at the time. Like, famous, crazy life. So he... He always had a healthy fear of fame, I think, which I think was a good thing when we were going through Axe Cop and like, you know, not getting too caught up in, in things. But yeah, like he always he's always had a real fear of when when I was in a rock band, whenever 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 there was any sign that we were doing anything successful, he got a real look of worry in his eyes. Uh, <laughs> he didn't want my it like, to okay become now. A, a famous rock star, which I totally understand now <laughs> as I'm older. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I mean it
0: could really make your life really weird. It's
1: very few. I think there's very few people that it is good for.
0: (laughs) How do you cultivate your creativity? You put out a lot of stuff. So uh, I'm going to just name a few things off here and then you can fill in some of the gaps. You had the Chumble Spuzz and then
1: following that. And there was stuff before that too. Chumble Spuzz was my first kind of like actually published work that a publisher published like i had a book called the weevil before that, that oh yeah was, the weevil yeah which i self-published through it was well, my friend's small company published it so that was my my first fully written and drawn by myself comic i did some comics before that that i drew base uh, i had another writer that wrote them and i drew them called the uh called creep and we did three issues of that and that kind of didn't go anywhere uh, it was all learning i was, consider that part of my life all learning i mean i'm still learning but Oh, yeah. Post-Chumble Spuzz, I mean, Axe Cop really was my next thing to actually... It I really struggled so. with what to do next because I really liked Chumble Spuzz, but it was too vague, I think, of a thing that people could just look at it and go, like, I want to read that. Mm-hmm. People that did read it loved it. And right. It always got good reviews, but... Um, it maybe thing, the concept wasn't as clear. Or yeah, whatever, it's not or a like clear it concept. It didn't, didn't have a good title, you know. it's like... <laughs> what the heck is Chumble Spuzz? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, literally, <laughs> I got the word from a Calvin and Hobbes comic where he's... Oh uh, yeah, as a Calvin comic where he's like taking a test and it says, "Describe Newton's law of physics in your own words." I think that's what it was. Some <laughs> describe something in your own words, and he took in your own words literally, and he writes <laughs> Gabba fub, glork chumblespuzz" or whatever. That's awesome. So I didn't realize. To me, that was it's like origin. when you don't know what to say, just say "chumblespuzz." I always love that just as a fake word, "chumblespuzz." So like, I don't know a title, so I'm just gonna use "chumblespuzz." Will you ever that. return to "chumblespuzz"? I've tried to. Um, I actually recently pitched a TV show that has the character characters that look eerily similar. Because mm. basically, it's just a bit of a redressing of the same characters. Yeah. Um, Is that in your pitches for
0: your Patreon thing? It I will don't be. Think yeah, I'm.
1: I'm doing a new. Yeah, in my on my Patreon page, I'm posting one new pitch each week. Oh, that's cool. Um. So I started with my very first one ever, and then I'm I posted the second one that my first one that ever got option last week, and then so this week I'm going to post the expanded version after I had done development with Cartoon Network and like what it it went from being like a four page pitch to like a 35 page Bible basically of like of all the the character designs and and yeah, and all that stuff. That was for
0: Axe. That was Axe Cop. No,
1: that was a, Oh, this is just another one. This is before Axe Cop ever happened. This is called Stub Nose and Pug.
0: Oh, I saw, I did see that. I just saw that because I upped my pledge. I upped my pledge. So I got to see
1: that. I was, I wanted to see, Oh, I want to see these pitches. That's what
0: what a cool idea.
1: I have a lot of them. That's, those are one of the main things that I make, and I really like them, but I don't ever post them publicly. So I thought, you know, Patreon's private enough that I'll just like all the art I make that I, no one ever sees, I'm going to start posting it on there, and it'll kind of create oh, a cool so relationship cool. with my Patreon Absolutely. fans, who I'm really thankful for. Because for somebody who, you know, contributes to your career monthly, Is it means that. Someone who buys your product means that they either like are jumping on a bandwagon or they believe in you now that you've accomplished something. But for somebody to do, like contribute to you monthly and like they're saying, "I believe in what you're gonna do," mm-hmm. those are the people I want to like really make sure they know I'm thankful for. And they for. Be- and they believe
0: in what you've done. And yeah. they've seen like I think a lot of people like have seen that you are a uh, you're a known quantity. You've put out quality things. You put out quality things consistently. Um, thank you, which is a. I mean, I, everything I've seen that you've done has just been really good. I mean, even and I dug back, so it was like mm-hmm. you know, like you find a band you like and you hear a new song, and then you go back and you find all their albums. <laughs> Those but, are the good and, fans. A lot of fans right, don't well, do that. And some, and right, some fan, well, maybe that's just maybe that's part of my creative I side. I artists I like do doing that. that, yeah, because yeah. that's the
1: crazy thing. I'm like. When AxCop went big, it had no effect on Spud's sales whatsoever. That, <laughs> Aww, my guy that's so at SLG, sad. yeah, oh. the guy at SLG is like, it's having no effect on your sales. Like, I still have all these boxes of these books that nobody's buying, and I'm like, I might just have to trash them. <laughs> How do you get it all done? Because you get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, I think that, that's the crazy thing for me is that this year, which is my first year with, I couldn't be busier in life. Like, I, have you know. I always thought it would be too, how does anybody do it? Like I have a family, I have a one and a half year old, I have two other kids, I'm married, you know, I got two dogs and a gecko. I mean, how am I going to do all this? (laughs) The gecko. The gecko is, I know, it's so needy. (laughs) Just crying all the time. Talking about car insurance constantly. (laughs) (laughs) This has been my most productive year and I think that that's actually having a family that like drives it because... Now I'm providing for other people. I'm like. So, in necessity is some of it
0: too, just like yeah. that. D- d- I've got to take care of my family.
1: It has been. It has been necessity. Like, I think that what in the past, my most productive times was when I went, um, it was really after I lost my last job, my last day job that I had the sign shop and I got unemployment. I decided to spend that six months of unemployment that I had working as hard as I could. So, I finished The Weevil. I did a. Animated music video for my band called Mission to the Moon. If you ever want to look up I on YouTube, that. I saw that. I saw that back. I, <laughs> I did that in a month. It at one point, and then I did Shamblespuzz Book One and like the first half of Book Two. I just like crammed all of it in, and that really was the kick kickoff to like me getting published and like kind of me getting hit in the right direction. So like I really was like, I have that opportunity. So right now, I'm working on Veggie Tales uh, for oh, DreamWorks. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, so I'm writing scripts constantly for that and um a friend of mine helps mix down the audio. Oh, really? Yeah, his okay. name's Ben Egehorn
0: and he gets the files from uh do You know writing Rob for that. Rob. Yeah, it's Rob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got Rob. Yeah, yeah. It's him and Terry do yeah. all the yeah. music. Yeah. Terry's a genius. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're both amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that that happened and then Ax Cop and I I want to say this too as a as a father of three kids and two cats and hap- reasonably happily married um, I think I've been more productive now as a married husband, working full time as a teacher, than I have in my whole life when I was a college student, and had all the time in the world. Yeah, and I and I I think some of that is that I have to be intentional about how I use my time. Yeah, and and so I'm sure you've experienced that. I mean, you have a baby Mid-time. in the house, and 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 your wife, and and you have to, if you want to stay happily married, uh, you can't just disappear for. Ever, exactly. You know, all the time. Yeah. You have to like, I, I found that having that deadline of this is how much time I have really mm-hmm. gets me,
1: I'm just going to, I'm going to get this done. You know, is that, I mean, is that yeah, how and it's work? And you have a family that's like, you were in your office for that long. What did you, what came out, what came out of it? You're yeah. Like, you better have something done <laughs> <yeah>. here because <laughs> the baby's crying and threw yeah. up on me yeah. and
0: <laughs> better be making some Benjamins for us with this. uh Yeah. You're not getting that kind of pressure, though. But yeah, but no, you're pressuring yeah. your... You, I know that... You pressure a yourself worse than you, anybody, yeah. Right. We're our own worst pressure, probably. But I also...
1: And so, like, what I was getting to was that, you know, on VeggieTales, it's a three-year job. So as that three years has counted down, it's a really nice, steady income, which I haven't had in a long time. You know, I was working basically freelance up until Axe Cop happened. And AxCop was, like, really sporadic income. And the best I've ever made on my own comics, but like by no means like an amazing income. And then Axe Cop, it really kind of fizzled after about three or four years and there's no way to live off of the income from Axe Cop. And to the point of now, Axe Cop really it's kind of like a little fun checks that show up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I've had that veggie tales, steady income as a staff writer and that's ending. Like, I don't know the exact date, but like, it's I'm, coming I'm up. I'm basically about to lose my job. Oh. <laughs> so as I've gotten closer and closer to that, I've been thinking, what have I done wrong that I have a a webcomic? It was basically the first webcomic to ever become like a TV show or anything like that. Like, you know, webcomic as successful as Axe Cop, you know, Armageddon used to have a lot more traffic than it does now. You know, like what have I been doing wrong that like I'm not holding on my audience and. Is it the, is it the, the, the amount of release? Because I think I remember,
0: um, I think when the first run of Barmageddon, like you're releasing something every week, like every Thursday, or, or there was, was like really, an ad top one day and a Barmageddon another day. That was the time
1: I was, yeah, it was getting crazy.
0: That was not. I mean, that's I know. That's I was doing. Odd.
1: I think I started off doing two pages a week of Barmageddon and we just couldn't keep up with that, so we just did one a week. You're yeah. sort of
0: back. You're sort of a little bit back. To I'm, I'm on weekly.
1: Right? I'm back on weekly with Barmageddon now. That's uh,
0: and I think. I mean, I don't know. I've seen with YouTube, like people who do a lot. I've I've done some stuff with YouTube also, and. One of the things that I saw them suggesting all the time is having a schedule and like releasing Mm -hmm. consistently.
1: Yeah. And that was something I failed at with both comics quite a bit. And I think that I also just, Axe Cop was such a whirlwind. Like most of the successful people I know who have a successful webcomic, it's a slow build usually. Like you slowly grow your audience and slowly people, you find people that want to invest in what you're doing and you hold on to them and you invest in that relationship and don't let go of it. With Axe Cop, I was really just – I created Axe Cop as my first experimental webcomic. Did I say webcomic right? Webcomic. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> my first webcomic that I, like – I hadn't made one yet. I didn't read them, and I just wanted to put something out there just to test out the waters on a webcomic because I wanted to do Armageddon. So, like, I didn't think a lot of people would read Axe Cop. It was just a way to say, hey, friends and family, check out this Axe Cop website Isn't that, that, that you and my friend threw together. Yeah, <laughs> And let me know if you run into any bumps or snags or, like – functionality issues or whatever. These are just cute, funny comics made with Malachi, you know, and so we threw this website up and it went viral and I just didn't see that coming at all. So, like, from that moment, I was just flying by the seat of my pants and, like, really, I was responding, you know, I was responding to fans some, but I was responding to, like, Hollywood and, like, all these crazy things. Like, when you're that kind of success online, like, you're getting crazy phone calls and, like, stuff constantly that, like, if I could look back and, like, call myself up on the phone and be like, hey, most of this stuff's like BS. It's not gonna pan (laughs) out at all. Everybody's just interested in like really what they're interested in at that point when like when you're the guy that went viral is they want to know if you have like a magic touch on your fingertip and you can go touch their thing and make it go viral too. Like Mm -hmm. they're not interested in you or your career or your ideas. They want to make
0: money and right. And they use you. And that's why you're the hot
1: thing for like maybe a year. And so that that was I think if I had been wiser and kind of like ignored that a little more rather than thinking i was gonna you know which it feels like a dream coming true but like yeah there's a lot of wisdom that i wish i'd had during that whirlwind tornado of where my life was just going nuts but now you have it and yeah
0: right i i mean i hear i hear song i I relate a lot of things to songwriting because that's my that's my main thing but Mm -hmm. i think the process is is very similar i was in a band and we we went on tour very short tour same five thousand miles five shows yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, but um, and we heard lots of things like oh this record company's interested and this yeah you yeah. know th- these guys are this is gonna be you know and we're like oh all right and for so many times we got our hopes up so high you know mm-hmm. and then you realize, Oh, none of those things panned out or, you know, they panned out, but in a different, not the way you were expecting or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, my wife and I made a CD and this, this, uh, distributor said, Oh, we need a thousand copies. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to make a thousand copies. (laughs) get them a thousand copies. I think they sold 10, you know, and I have (laughs) a thousand, uh, coasters that I have since thrown out in the recycling bin (laughs) because I know I was never, ever going to sell them no matter, you know. Uh, and, and so I know you've experienced some of that too. You've got, Mm -hmm. like you said, you've got copies of comics laying around, but we keep creating things. Mm -hmm. And some of that is that necessity as an artist, you know, we just love it. Yeah. Um, and I think because you're so good at what you do, you know, uh, and I always, this is the other thing I hear is like that a lot of people, they'll work for years. Like, uh, there's this band, no doubt, probably heard of them. Gwen Mm -hmm. Stefani, (laughs) they were doing stuff in orange County for like eight to 10 years before tragic kingdom which was their really humongous album that blew them up across the world you know mm. but um so a lot of people saw them as uh they just came out of nowhere yeah. you know like our axe cop you know like oh this guy just came out of nowhere but really you had done you've been drawing since you were you know three years old and yeah. you had released comics and you had done other things so it wasn't you're ready if something happens you have that i don't know that the the I don't know what it's called. You have things in place that you're able to kind of cope with that, or you can feed that pipeline if you need to potentially, I think I just, right?
1: I don't know how else to be. I don't know what right. else to do with myself, you know? So right. You drop. It's regardless of success. I'm going to keep making stuff, you know? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's one thing. I I have a little presentation I've done. And I've been asked to speak a few times at like colleges or events and stuff. And I have this presentation I go over with aspiring creators and I show all the stuff that I did before Axe Cop just as an example so they can see like they think I came out of nowhere and Axe Cop was this two pages of comics that went viral and I had drawn a thousand pages of comics before Axe Cop
0: (laughs) right right and literally a lot of
1: pages of Axe Cop too and now I mean are you still drawing Axe Cop I haven't for a while I'm actually just I just started thinking about bringing back Axe Cop and doing it in like a almost like a Sunday comic format oh cool like short like a color (laughs) <laughs> maybe in color but like more like short like three or like four a, panels a like almost panel like a gag like a question of, like garfield or something yeah yeah, but yeah. with axe cop
0: <laughs> oh that's kind of cool so i
1: thought i'm gonna try it I and mean, if it works So i've been brainstorming lately and i've sketched a couple out but um, i'm just i'm thinking about it like mm-hmm. the
0: ask axe cop almost like yeah almost
1: like ask axe cop but it might be like even shorter like in calvin and hobbs like sometimes they continue there's just little story lines that go on you know yeah yeah but each one has a gag at the end kind of thing um, something that like I know I could handle among all the other stuff I'm doing, but it would kind of keep Axe Cop alive. And then, you know, throw the ideas at Malachi. I mean, the way that me and Malachi would create nowadays would be a little different because I think we'd be more like co writing together, which in a lot of ways that's what we were doing all along. But yeah, for those of you that don't know,
0: there's the Axe Cop. Is, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, is a creation of uh, Ethan and his young, young younger brother Malachi. Mm-hmm. And you guys were basically playing. Like yeah. outside with some toys, right? Like you just bought some toys and you're playing with your younger brother. And then he made up, he said, I'm Axe Cop or something, right?
1: Yeah. For him, it, was, it wasn't It was even, he wasn't thinking of making a character up or ever thinking this would be a comic book or anything. Like he literally was saying, kind of like you'd say, do you want to play cops? Mm-hmm. But he didn't have the proper equipment to play cops. He pulled an axe he out of an his, axe. a fireman's <laughs> axe, a toy fireman axe out of his toy box. It was a toy. And he said, <laughs> want to play Axe Cop? <laughs> <laughs> so him for him that was a, a, a logical thing that like absolutely and it was literally like whatever you pull out of the toy box was whatever that is plus cop so like the next thing i was like well who would i be and it was flute cop <laughs> flute cop yeah because <laughs> that was the next thing to come out of the toy box <sighs> so and that's literally how that comic was created that's why the, it gets so random that's why avocado was oh, in yeah. there because we were sitting at the kitchen table and there was an avocado sitting in the middle of the table so we threw that in Yeah, and you guys, you have to read
0: Axe Cop. You just have to go (laughs) online and just start, just, you can start anywhere, I think, and you will enjoy it because they are, uh, I mean, you could go back to the beginning, you could read the Axe Ax Cop, but it's basically, Malachi is just, whatever he thinks and says, you took it, and then you just kind of drew it. Like you just really you you were kind were you pretty true to what he was saying too like you just kind of took exactly what he said or you
1: you modified it so it fit the sort of a storyline. Yeah, it wasn't so much modifying it as it was organizing it and cutting away the stuff that didn't fit anywhere. But like, so I, I would just let him shotgun blast every all his ideas at me and I take explosion. notes and I would, and I would ask tons of questions. <laughs> like anything he he said, I would hold him accountable to it and be like, well, how does this fit with what you just said earlier? And uh-huh. make it all fit. And which he makes it up and, that's and then you how go, it makes okay. it really bizarre because like in order to get the answer like, why does Axcop want to marry Abraham Lincoln or whatever, like you know, <laughs> how we got to that point and like clearing all this stuff out. Uh, like, Abraham Lincoln explosion god was yeah. I I just I, I saw that I'm like, What yeah.
0: what it just, just happened?
1: Gets more and more insane.
0: Oh, and it that's and I I mean that is part of the reason why that was so much fun. Yeah. And and also leading into Bermageddon, because you said like one of the reasons you even made Axe Cop was so you could make Bermageddon, which is yeah, a little story. You you really yeah. thought that story out more. Um, and I love Bearmageddon. I think it's just excellent. You. And, you know, I can't w- every time I see there's a new issue, I'm like, oh, cool. I got to go read it. And, <laughs> and I, I really look forward to reading the whole thing like all yeah, in on one you know, that's what big, it's meant to be read as. Absolutely. But it's I think following it is still pretty great, you know? And I mean that's why, like, and Doug uh Tenapple also did uh Tinapple or Tanapple? Crap. I, I say <laughs> I've said his name now like three times talking to different artists. Um his uh rat fist was one of those comics and newts too, uh, uh, where I was reading it and I totally got hooked on it. And then he actually did a really cool thing. He like cut it and said, okay, if you want the conclusion, you're going to have to get the book, you Mm -hmm. know? And, uh, and I was totally in because he had given me all that free content and it was great. And I really wanted to know how it turned out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, with yours, like, I absolutely want to know what's going to happen next. I'm, I'm pretty invested in the, the main characters and, and, uh, kill deer yeah <laughs> he's awesome <laughs> he's like the he's the uh ron swanson of uh of bear mageddon i
1: think um yeah we've actually talked to nick Offerman. We I was, actually talked right. about if there's ever a movie like him being killed deer. he's he's as okay. far as i know he's down for he, it would, do you, oh yeah, yeah he would be
0: great for yeah. that role <laughs>
1: um do you so uh bear
0: mageddon uh how are you keeping up with bear mageddon like do you so do you every week do you say here's a uh, monday i'm gonna do my thumbnails, and then Tuesday I'm going to, you know. Usually
1: if it's around the weekend, I know I need to get at least one page done because I need to get it to my colorist by, like, Monday or Tuesday so that it can be colored in time. So that's the one thing that makes it hard for us to do any more than one page a week because, like, coloring is a lot of work for her. and Mm -hmm. uh, Even if I was able to crank out more pages, I don't think she could color more than one a week right now. So, like, unless I, like, had, you know, I pay her. So, like, if I was to, I don't know if I could afford to pay two colorists either. Two colorists, right. I'd like to crank it out faster. If, if if my Patreon ever like actually like took off and I had like a good amount of money coming in, I would totally spend it on on another color. So you could put more pages. Another out. colorist, and I would just like be able to dedicate my time to just finishing Bermageddon. You, you guys really hear that? You need
0: to get on Ethan's <laughs> Patreon and support him so he can put more of this really great stuff out because we, we're lo- I mean, we it's so good. Um, okay. So back to this, but maybe what can people do to cultivate that? And what can people do? Like, let's say someone, they, they draw and they have a couple ideas for a comic book. I mean, what what can they do to, you know, make that a reality? I mean, what's your what would you maybe recommend to an aspiring artist? Or
1: I think the biggest insecurity a lot of artists have is they believe in a project they came up with more than they could believe in their ability to create. So you'll find a lot of artists that have... Their giant dragon comic that's been under their bed for their whole life, and it's 792 pages long. And they they can't, like, it's too big. It has to be, to them, it's the greatest thing ever made because the first thing you make is the greatest thing ever made. And it, Absolutely. Feel, it feels every single thing I make is amazing <laughs> to make it. Like, the first time you make a thing. And the, the, the sad thing about it is that usually it's awful and you can't <laughs> see it. You don't know. You won't right. see it until you finish it, print it, get it out there, and then look at it from outside of it. So a lot of people get locked in that world of like thinking the th- the first thing they made is the greatest thing ever. They're they're like a new person to Photoshop who just started using it and thinks, oh my gosh, I'm making the coolest stuff on earth. I'm using all these filters. I just added an extra eyeball. Yeah, like oh, there's just lens flares all over this thing, and I'm using comic sands, and oh my gosh, the reflecting water thing where it's like, you know, it's the the ripple effect of the water and twisting the face. And then, you know, you if you stand back and somebody who actually has used Photoshop for years and years, like it looks awful what you're doing, but like it right. feels amazing because right. you're figuring it out, you're learning. But, but
0: that's necessary, right? Yeah.
1: Because And I think a lot of artists get stuck in that. They need to get that they either finish that dragon comic, you know, mm-hmm. seven hundred and ninety three pages, write the ending, set it aside, make more stuff. Because the way you're gonna get better is by finishing stuff. And so few people finish stuff, I think. And I think it comes out of insecurity because I think that that amazing yeah. feeling of creating that first thing—you feel like I could never do this again. This is too amazing. Like, and people have to experience it the way I have, and like they're not gonna usually like you. Right. For you to actually be able to communicate, make something that makes other people feel the way you do when you make it, I think that takes ma- practicing making stuff, like finishing right. it, because that's the art. Like that's you, the hard part.
0: Yeah. Do you know Jason Parker? Are you familiar with him? He's an artist. So he he put this video out uh, and he was talking about drawing. I forget he draws a bunch of stuff that's you know, I don't know, he he's really good. Um uh and he has this video called Finish Not Perfect. It's mm. excellent. And it was just it's it's like a five-minute like motivational mm-hmm. speech with like text flying across. But he's talking about the fact that um, and you can tell me if you agree or not, but he said you just have to finish stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just make it and finish it. You know, it could be long, it could be short, but get it done, put it out, and then start the next, start the next thing. Yeah. And and that's what you've been doing, you yeah. know, and, uh, and would you, when re- would you agree that that's totally. a, that's how you do it? You know, like you make, and I mean, I challenge my students. So we, we make videos. I have a video, I teach a video class and we make videos for our school. And, and, uh, I say, look, I, you should try to film as much as you can Get your iPad, get your iPhone, make a stupid video, as, film as much as you can. You know, mm-hmm. the more you do it and then finish something, like you have an idea, take it to completion. And I said, start small. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them want to make like, you know, an hour feature length movie or <laughs> even yeah. like, I'm like, dude, we're, we're making a five minute movie and that's a lot of work. Like yeah. if you really think about it, like you write your script and you have like an idea for your story. But I said, make something, you know, make it, make a 30 second commercial. Mm-hmm. Just get it done. You know, mm-hmm. make a make a one make a strip like mm-hmm. a, a Sunday comic strip, mm-hmm. and 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 put it out. Give it to a friend. Make photocopy, fifty copies, or post it on your Facebook page or on your Twitter or whatever. And and, and then make some more. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do. They get that that love for their first thing that they made too. Like uh, with music, I'll have people. I I go to conferences for music, and uh, you know I have songwriters where they've written like one album and they are still pushing that album and trying to get people to like, like this is the so good. We spent so much time on it, you know? And it's like, everyone else has moved on and they're working on new things. Yeah. And so I see people get stuck on their, their thing and they're not moving forward, you Mm -hmm. know? Um,
1: Yeah, And if you apply that to any other thing, like imagine somebody who's just learning how to bake and they're making their first pie and they're like, rather than ever finish it, they're just going to sit there and keep baking it or whatever. (laughs) Right. It doesn't make any sense. Like, if you want to get good at making stuff, you have to finish stuff. That's the only way to get better at it. And, and uh, I think that another thing that for me that was big, and I think this applies to some artists, I think that a lot of us, um, like maybe we don't, We the thing that comes most naturally to us, we actually kind of avoid it. Like maybe we, we think it's uh, not as good or something. Like for me, my first graphic novel was The Weevil, which was really not my forte when it came to like content. Like I was trying to do this, dark sci-fi action thing that was like really philosophical and like really like make this illustration out of like my faith and like all this stuff. And it was really, really advanced for what I could do. And then, you know, my second idea, which I kind of like discounted was Chumble Spuzz. Mm-hmm. And I had That's, that in the back uh, right. burner and I had two notebooks I was carrying around. I was writing the Weevil in one and Chumble Spuzz in the other. They're very, very different projects when I was trying to draw very realistic perspective cars, buildings, Mm-hmm detail. design. You said you don't
0: totally enjoy doing.
1: Yeah. Right. Chumble <laughs> Spuzz. I could poop it out. I just <laughs> literally. Easy, yeah. Metaphor, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a sneeze. There's like lots it comes, of poop in there, by the way. Yeah. It comes so <laughs> naturally to me. It's so me. And yeah. and I did. I. It took me, you know, two and a half years to write and draw the wheel or more. It took forever. And Chumble uh, Spuzz. I, I, I wrote and drew in like six months, I think. And that's fast it was my first thing to form. get published yeah it's a full 120 page graphic novel you know it's like it got. It was my first thing to get published SLG loved it and that got Cartoon Network interested in getting pitches from me and seeing what I had so it really kicked my career off and uh you know it was the thing that I felt like well you know for some reason because it came so easy to me I felt like maybe I was cheating or it couldn't be that good or something mm-hmm, I don't know what it was mm-hmm. but Anybody can relate to that? Just take that to heart. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I want to just, I want to pound that home too is that um, you need to uh, take something you love to do that's easy for you. Like, okay, so I'm a songwriter and I used to think that all I could do was write like like serious indie rock band music, you know, and it had to be this format. And I I started this thing, it was called February Album Writing Month, Mm. FAM.org. And the whole thing was you write 14 songs in 28 days of February, and which to me sounded like, how in the world is that even possible? But one year I said, I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. Really cool community, super supportive, and I totally finished it, and, and, and then some. Mm-hmm. And I did, I've done it every year since 2008, and that was where I realized. And then I was writing songs like I would write a 10-second song. And Mm -hmm. it was like a jingle for some random product that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Or I would write a kid's song. And I had so much fun writing those songs. And I like writing other songs that are serious or more intense or about a topic. But I like just writing songs about Chuck Norris and Bacon. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I was doing, like, I've got songs like that. And they're fun and they're effortless for me. And actually, people really respond to them. And it's like it's not this serious song about redemption or hope. Yeah, and yeah. I like those songs. And then those songs move me. And like jo- U2's Joshua Tree was like an album that totally inspired me. Um, and I, I love the, in, the intensity and the, the, uh, of that. And, but uh, I don't always recreate that as easily as I do, you know, a song about Chuck Norris mm-hmm. <laughs> or Bacon or Ninjas or whatever. And so Trumble Spuzz was your Bacon Ninja song. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it and, really and it was easy, and you got people who are responding to it. So to to the listeners, um, you know, follow something that you really is that's more effortless for you. If you're if you're knocking your head against something because you think that that's what you're supposed to do, maybe you're not
1: supposed to do that. You know. Yeah, and I think because I f- I finished the weevil, it put me in a spot where I was ready to just crank something out, and I think that's a spot you need to get yourself to. You need to think in your head like most people have more than one idea they usually have their one idea that's like their lord of the rings which probably is never going to be lord of the rings (laughs) right and then they have this other idea that they're thinking oh yeah i could crank that out easy but you know i really want to do my lord of the rings right and like well maybe you should make some other stuff first before you make lord of the rings you know right (laughs) right make it you know just make it and just make it simple like make it don't go over 100 pages or don't go over whatever it is that's a lot for you don't you know give yourself a year and whatever set yourself a deadline but I think a lot of people struggle with that they just they're constantly making but never finishing
0: yeah i i we'll just come back to that i think the finishing is so important mm-hmm. you know like just like like with songs like i i would I, had, I have folders of songs you know that i've started now until i was in FOM where i had a deadline and i had to finish a song every two days i had to finish it because mm-hmm. i had to upload it it had to be there and it's like okay i'm just gonna okay i've got a verse now i'm gonna write a chorus maybe mm-hmm. this is just gonna be verse chorus verse chorus or Okay, I'm just going to make a bridge. It might not be good, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to write it. And the more I did that and the practice and having, and I have all my tools so I can always get back in and I'm not relearning my tools. I think some people will have like the fit of inspiration, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's a Jack London quote, you know, you have to go after inspiration with a club or something, (laughs) something along those lines. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's what you're doing. You know, you're not, I'm. I don't know about you, but I'm not always 100% inspired when I sit down to work, but I know that I need to get something done. Yeah. And, but the inspiration seems to come a lot more when I sit down to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to like waiting for, you know, the muse to give me something. And I love I have those moments, but (laughs) I think it's
1: actually a sign of an amateurish artist. When you're new to art or people that like see artists from afar and then felt the feeling of being inspired they worship that feeling and they think of it as like this like otherworldly like ghost that comes into your body and takes over for a day or two and then goes away. And I think that that's a thing that happens to you when you're experienced, but when you work on the discipline of creating and stuff, like you learn how to like you take control of it and decide, you decide when it's going to, when you're going to use it. <laughs> right. There's still times when like I all have like a, a crazy fit of, Maybe higher inspiration or just the ideas are coming more, but like, you know, it's just not a problem I have these days where I'm like sitting around going like, I'm just not inspired. I mean, I might have all the story I'm running into walls with or something like that, but like, I just don't think that way anymore. I don't. Right. You know, it just doesn't. You're in a professional mindset now. Yeah.
0: As a professional, you're.
1: Like once again, how, if you apply that to any other career, like you can't. That's no excuse. Right, right. I'm sorry, I can't cook dinner tonight. I am not, not inspired. Not inspired. I'm going to starve. I'm not <laughs> inspired to construct this building.
0: Like for example, I'm not making my living from music. I definitely live for music. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't you know, it's definitely yeah. something for me that is essential. Mm-hmm. And um well, uh, another thing I we went going back to your teenage mutant ninja turtle ripoff as an 8-year-old or 10-year-old. Um, do you encourage people to like take and copy things they like to get started? I mean, is that a good, I mean, is that what most artists do, right? Yeah, I think it's, I still do it it all the time. (laughs) I do it all the time too. Like I, I hear a song I really like and I'm like, Oh, I love the sound of, you know, in the killers. I like their distorted bass Mm -hmm. with the, with the high keys. So I'm going to make a song like that, but my own interpretation of that, because it's coming through me, it's going to be different. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to write, you know, whatever that song was. I mean, yeah. is, there a, is there a, in your drawing, is there an inspiration for some of the stuff? Yeah, that growing up, now? I, had,
1: I had multiple inspirations that I tried to copy, especially Ninja Turtles, big time. Ninja like, Turtles. <laughs> the great thing about Ninja Turtles was that the Mirage comics, after Eastman and Laird became big, started getting drawn by all these different indie artists that are all really different and really cool. So it's a, it was a great gateway into, like, indie comics. And I, that, and also, like, rather than me just having one artist I copied, I was interested in all these different artists. So it was, like, helping me, like, not get – become, like, a guy. Like, you know, you get a lot of kids that are, like, oh, I see. You read a lot of Rob Liefeld and you just drawn like him all the time. Right. So <laughs> you, know, you that's you, a you bad really pigeonhole to get into. Or... But when you have a few artists you really like, then you start to find your own style, which takes a long time. Um, but also, like, a, a method of copying that I think is really helpful in writing – um, like in Barmageddon, I took a couple movies that I knew I really wanted Barmageddon to feel like, and so I watched the movie and I wrote a map out of every scene. So like, oh, um, save the cat. We'll talk about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but this one
1: actually went scene for scene and wrote what happens in this scene. So like, what um, movie can you tell me? So the like, movie? *Shaun of the like Dead*. It? For sure, was one of them, which you're wearing. You're wearing a shirt right now. <laughs> I'm wearing
0: a Shaun of the Dead shirt.
1: So, yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I did it with a few movies so that I wouldn't just be directly copying one movie. But, like, what I did is I took Shaun of the Dead. So, I wrote, I watched the whole movie, paused after every scene, and wrote what happened in that scene. Um, I did Shaun of the Dead. I did. Uh, so, he's you're analyzing. Yeah. You're really like tearing
0: apart I what found made this that be scene very work. Very helpful. I've done this with songs too. Yeah. And it it changed the way I could uh, hear stuff and probably the way you see stuff, too, like yeah. how you interpret stories. find
1: patterns. Uh, War of the Worlds, the Steven Spielberg one, oh, which yeah. actually has like a dud of an ending, but like... It was creepy. I remember awesome. it really Makes, freaked but, me out when the yeah, people the ex- got sucked up. Yeah, and oh. the, the building of the action, the, ex- this, the, the ride it takes you on, I think... It's actually awesome. I really wanted it to feel that way, like the way that these things are taking over and getting scarier and worse. And so you—that's inspiring. Like how. So I wanted to follow that pattern of action in that. I wanted to follow the character arc in *Shaun of the Dead*. I wanted to follow the pattern of the action in *War of the Worlds*. And I also did one for *Jurassic Park* because I felt like it was just genre-wise. Original *Jurassic Park*. Yeah. Original. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) not four. Yeah. Not five. That hadn't come out yet. Yeah. So I got those three movies, and what I did is after I wrote that pattern out. I wrote my characters and situations into each of those scenes and wrote it in your as, location as a copy in your, of that right. movie. Just to see what what would Bear Mageddon look like following the pattern of that movie. No, I totally didn't see like I wasn't like, oh, this is you know. Yeah, this is because Dawn of the it, I Dead. did it for all three. So then that gave you an idea of what I liked in each of those three ideas, and then I applied those to my story I eventually made. That's now see, and I and I would tell my songwriters,
0: find a song you really like. How does the verse go into the chorus? How does the you know if you're writing a story, you really are writing story. You you have this a lot of skills you're incorporating into this because mm-hmm. it's story writing. Yeah, and it's it's picture drawing and you've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time getting the picture drawing and the the ability to do the art side of things. Yeah, but the story writing really. I'm a lot newer to it. <laughs> yeah, but it's so cool. Like I remember you mentioned this was probably a year ago you had posted something about Save the Cat, mm-hmm. which led me to read it. Which I'm using with my students now. In fact, this year we had a speaker come. His name's Tyler Derman, and he actually talked about Save the Cat as part of his, like, how to interact with people. Hmm. Like, uh, he kind of took it an analogy of, like, you know, all the movies you like, there's a reason you like that movie. Even like, he said, Rocky IV, maybe not the best in the franchise, but he said, you were really rooting for Rocky when he got to that fight because the first 40 minutes, there was no fighting. There was only him saving the cat over and over again. Like he helped the waitress, gave her a ride home. He fixed her light bulb. He, Mm -hmm. I mean, he literally like saved the cat, saved the cat, saved the cat, Mm -hmm. and uh, did these things uh, in the movie. The writer, I think it was Stallone. I don't know if it was Stallone that wrote that one or not.
1: Yeah, yeah, he wrote most of them. I think. Yeah, he.
0: I know. I know he wrote the Creed, and I know he wrote the the, like the whatever the last one was. But um, so that story process which you are now much more into, I mm-hmm. know, and you've been thinking about it, um, elevates the art, too. You know, I think y- y- you're you combining now uh, these other skills, like what makes a good
1: story. Yeah. You know,
0: which is so cool. Shauna, that that makes me, it's like a buddy. It's like a buddy. Well, it uh, was
1: actually, it was Blake Snyder of Save the Cat who pointed out to me that I was trying to write Shaun of the Dead. What? Because I actually, when I was struggling with Barmageddon, um, so this is actually like going, going Yeah, going back to the whole like order of things I created after Chumble Spuzz I started working for about a year, year and a half on a gr- new graphic novel that I never finished I was going to make a, a comic about my band and then we ended up ditching that because the band broke up so I changed it into a comic about just a rock band who decides they're going to go on tour but they're going to be like crime fighters on tour <laughs> And they have, like, a website where people tell their crimes to the band. And the band finds the crime and fights it. But it's always a horrible, like, they're not good crime fighters. It's a mess. It's a horrible idea. And they're always getting their butts kicked and, like, almost dying. And I hope you return to and, that because that sounds hilarious. Yeah, I think I was thinking through I think that now I'm more seasoned and, like, understand story better and what to avoid. Like, I was trying to get so deep and philosophical with it once again that, like, it wasn't fun. It was getting really weird. So I eventually shelved it. And because I came up with this idea, just I came up with a title that I liked, "Bermageddon," and I was like, "That's a great title." I have to make this. I, and I, both of those things came from touring with the band. We actually drove through a, an area of it was north or south Dakota, and on the sign it said Dickinson, ten miles; Killdeer, oh, twelve miles. That's right. Like, that sounds like a guy. It sounds Dickinson like a cool guy. Dickinson, Killdeer. So that, so you had that name. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to do Bermageddon. Then so I started trying, and I wrote like. I think I wrote three different versions. I wrote like a version where it's like a dystopian future where like the, the government has like decided that it's too, it's not safe to be out in nature in real life. So I have fake forests and like Dickinson was the only one stuck out in the real forest for all this time. And, like, it was just too much to explain. Then I had one where as a father who is a new father or kind of a weakling his whole life. And he wants to prove he's a man to his, now as a son and then go mm. out and barmageddon happens. And like, that one was hard for me to write because it wasn't relatable because I wasn't a father yet. And then I really wanted to write one that felt like. So then I, I was playing with the slacker one, which felt a much more like what I could relate to. And when I. So I actually pitched all three when I I ended up spending the money, which I didn't have much money at the time. This is pre Axe Cop 2. I took a weekend writing seminar with Blake Snyder, which actually ended up being his last one he ever taught. So it was like a week later that he died.
0: Oh man. That's right. I, I knew. You,
1: I... Yeah. And so I took that, and and I pitched, I wanted to fix and work, figure out Bermageddon. And so he really, he said, you're trying to write Shaun of the Dead. You should watch Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> had you seen Shaun of the Dead? Yeah, I point? had. Yeah, okay, I just right. hadn't even realized. But you just said, like, think about I it totally as, am like, yeah. writing that story. He was right, yeah. I'm writing about these slackers who are learning responsibility of, like, you know, they're, they're being taken out of their safe little world, and, like, now are you going to be a boy? Are you still going to be a boy or are you going to be a man? You know, like, that's how he's going to get the girl in the end is if he can prove he's a man because that's why she's leaving him in the beginning, you know. So yeah, so that was really helpful. And what else you work? So I saw that there's Bearmageddon News. Yeah. i mean, so I have a whole <laughs> I started trying to figure out how do you market a webcomic that's an ongoing story. Like really it doesn't work to just share a page. People just people tone that out. You need something people want want to share. And so yeah, I started experimenting with putting fake news started putting funny bear attack tips on my website on com like you those know those are so freaking if a bear's trying to kill you like here's what you do and basically the gist of them is that you can you never always lose. you can never defeat a bear you'll always die <laughs> so it's totally unhelpful as of, as far as tips go so those a couple of those like went really kind of went viral like they got shared like crazy i saw ones that like one of them uh the one that says to play dead because it's good practice for a couple minutes later when you're actually dead <laughs> Went like it was on so many websites that, like, they actually took my logo off of it and they were sharing it. And, like, I saw Twitter people tweeting it as if they thought of it. Like, it was everywhere. It was crazy. Just this stupid little thing I posted one morning. I think I need something else for Barmageddon this morning. Did that help
0: Barmageddon's Twitter thing to build up? Are you, is that built that up? Slowly. I mean, my
1: Twitter is hard now. I think they've really made it. So, if you don't spend money, you're not going to get any new followers or something. Mm. And it's really like, I don't know. Twitter's gotten a lot harder to get new followers on. Facebook's gotten a lot harder too. Like I think that that's another thing with Axe Cop. I was lucky at the time that it came out. So yeah, I created. I was starting to create these fake bear news stories that were fun too. Just I wanted to create other stuff, other reasons for people to visit bearmageddon.com each week rather than just the comic. What's the address for that? What's the um, what's the link for uh, the the Twitter handle? Is it's just it bearmageddon? Bearmageddon. Can I turned that. I on that. It's bear. It's basically B-Armageddon, like B-E-Armageddon, B-E-A-R-M-A-G-E-D-D-O-N. It's one G and two Ds. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I misspelled it many times yeah. looking for the website. but So, in the news site, which I ended up creating after, like, I realized how fun this was, but also, like, I wanted people that just wanted the comics to have a place to go where they're just getting the comics and people want the news, you just get the news, but the news, they kind of to lead to each other. To,
0: right, right.
1: And it makes it more, it doesn't feel as much like an advertisement. I've got its own website. So I created BNN, Barmageddon News Network. Oh, that's right. That's so good. And so it's just called barmageddonnews.com. And it's just a, it's kind of like a mini onion style website where it's just every day I post a new news article of some kind or something so great. about bears. It's so great. I, the, <laughs> and punching that's been a fun. bear, yeah. <laughs> the
0: bear punching technique or whatever. <laughs> I just laughed so hard every time I see those because they just, <laughs> they're very funny. So, um, uh so that's what you're working on now.
1: It, I just finished a book too. I'm really oh, excited about a book I just finished. Tell me about the book.
0: Um With book. Can you tell us yet?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're on my Patreon, actually, I'm I'm sending out uh to people that are five dollars and up, I'm sending out a PDF. Of the this book. thing may not come out for years. Like because 'cause I'm trying to get an actual publisher. Like it's it's an actual chapter book to read to your kids, like roll doll style. Oh, cool. Uh, it has like over two hundred drawings in it. Um, I've been very excited about it it's something that I was really inspired by becoming a father and really Axe Cop took me on this journey to loving making stuff for kids like I think before Axe Cop I just wanted to make stuff like Barmageddon. Right, only you, bec- mm-hmm. and I think finding that the fun of like creating something that parents and kids enjoy together I really really like making stuff like that does that
0: and I think that goes back to the thing where you're saying make something that you you enjoy and don't yeah. make the thing that you think you have to make exactly like and if you enjoy making Army, post-apocalyptic bear attack stories and you like writing stories that are appropriate for kids like yeah. or silly fun, like uh, the Rocket uh, Rocket Monster Club. Rocket um, Monster Story Club. Oh, that's a, <laughs> Rocket Monster Story Club is so cool. It's such a cool concept.
1: Yeah, um, that one I'm still, that's an experiment. But um, yeah, we can talk about that a little bit if you want to too. It's, what were we just talking about? Uh, oh, the book. the book. The book, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the book the called? The book I'm excited to, uh, it's called Ollie Possum it's uh
0: oh i saw i saw that too i saw yeah. the, i saw the cover for that
1: so i was totally inspired by uh, reading bedtime stories to my kids and we started going through all these books that i had i'd spent so much time reading comics that i'd never read these books growing up and rolled doll books so and amazing good. and i think it had a big effect on me reading like reading charlie and the chocolate factory to your kids i don't know if everybody experiences this but for me it was like an eye-opening amazing experience because like I've never seen the kids read a comic that had that effect on them. Like it was awesome. Like they were so into it, and like it's so fun to read out loud. Like oh yeah,
0: they're great stories. Yeah, he's
1: got so many great stories. Yeah, and so then the Hobbit. I I was like, this is gonna be boring. It's a long, drawn out. They ate it up and it was fun to read the Hobbit. Now have you read Lord of the Rings to them? No, I'm not gonna try that. That'll not work as good. More, but he wrote there's a the Hobbit, kids. poem yeah. that we're yeah, gonna read yeah. to you. No. Lord of the Rings wouldn't work. No, it doesn't work. But yeah, doesn't Hobbit in the Grimm's Fairy Tales, like we went through all those Yeah, I saw you uh, saying something Alice about finding Wonderland. a bunch of older uh, Yeah. that uh, all these things that are really old stories, but because, and, but they just really work. They're just and I really wanted to create that. So you start. So this is at the my first structure of t- some my of those attempt. songs
0: too, right? So do you look now, as you're reading those stories, I mean, your brain must be going save the cat elements and like here's the story elements. Yeah, like it's how all still there. Sean of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And how can I take you know Big Friendly BFG or, or or Charlie and Chocolate Factory? What are some of the elements of that story, mm-hmm. and then incorporate that into another story? Have you had some of those moments already, like? Are you always yeah. in that?
1: Yeah, I'm always thinking like in it that It changes place. the way you think about stories when you read them and watch movies and stuff, especially movies I always I have a habit now. I try to hit pause on the midpoint. Like I, When I think I know we're at the midpoint, I pause and I can see the bar. Is the
0: midpoint the, is that break into two? What is that, what's that called? It's in the, the center schneider? of
1: the second act. It's the very middle of the, you can see it. You pause it and almost always the, the little bar on your screen is at the halfway point of the actual movie. Oh, wow. Well, that's de-
0: right because a lot of them are following that, that template,
1: yeah. the Blake Snyder template. It's just natural, though, it's just na- it's because a story almost always goes in this arc up or down. Like either a character hits a low point or a high point before they go to it re- on their mission. Right. And so they have to have that meeting with whatever it is, like either that low point or the high point. It's almost always a party. It's funny. Next <laughs> time you watch a movie. If they're having a party pause it. It's almost always halfway through the movie. Because that's their way of saying everything's going great. Everything's going great, and we're going to pull the rug out from under you soon. Yeah, (laughs) because yeah, the next scene, bad guys are going to come in the back door with with Uzis. Right. Right. Uh, Or a characters at their bottom. You can go either way, but that's it's a it's a V shape up or down. But so it's interesting to try to find. It's also a lot of times it's a sex scene or like the first big kiss or whatever. Like when Spider Man's hanging upside down kissing Mary Jane, that's the midpoint. Like, Uh right? Like everything's pretty great right now. You've met the thing you're trying to get to. But now you have to earn it. So like when you meet, and it's also, it's always the thing they've been looking for the whole movie and trying to get to. It's so like really if you Spider-Man, like what's the thing he's been trying to get to is is Mary Jane. So when he hits right. that midpoint, that's the middle. You're talking about the one with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. I don't. I haven't seen the Sorry, new yeah, ones. Sorry, yeah, I I go know. back to those. No, minutes. no, so I haven't
0: seen the new ones either because yeah. I, I thought those were great. I, yeah. I loved his yeah. Spider-Man was just excellent. Mm-hmm. Such a great movie. But, uh, okay, so you're reading the kids' stories, and you've got one coming out. It's called, again, yeah. it's all so Possum. It's Ollie uh Possum.
1: And it I was blatantly, really, like, it was inspired on a roll doll binge. I really, <laughs> awesome. I love I want
0: to see this book. I want to see this book.
1: I had just uh, read The Witches and Fantastic Mr. Fox, and both of them I really, I loved And The Witches, just the idea of a boy being turned into an animal. And then I also liked, uh, and I liked the bad guys of the witches, and I also liked uh, great sm- bad guys. Yeah, they're scary. They're they're yeah. like really like there's some real
0: threat. It's real scary. Yeah, guys. Yeah, they're like, oh wow, they're gonna eat me, or yeah. they're gonna, you know, like yeah. it's cool. I love and that. And then
1: just the different animals and like the way they interact and just kind of the funny world of those animals in Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I really wanted to do. I, at first, I was thinking I'd really like to do one of each of those nine, combining them. So I just this story where. The most terrified little boy in town, the small mountain town. Um, With so, meth problems. Yeah, no meth. <laughs> no meth. Uh, his dad's an Italian chef of a struggling Italian restaurant, and is, he's be, basically being pursued by this creature called the Glorch, who's a goblin ogre witch, all three combined. <laughs> and she's, yeah, goblin, ogre, she witch. wears this like horrifying disguise of what she thinks a child counselor looks like. Oh, she wears this weird makeup and a pink beehive wig and sunglasses and sneaks around and tries to like kiss, convince the family that their child needs help because he wakes up screaming every night and nobody can sleep and they're falling asleep in the lasagna. And uh <laughs> finally it gets so bad that you know the parents are like really thinking about doing it and, and Ollie the boy he's so sick of it. He says, "I'll go. Like take me and fix me, make me better." She they go away and she and instead of getting into her car, she takes off her costume and pulls him aboard her two, two-headed monster and Ugh. takes him away to her cabin in the woods and puts him in a cage, and she's going to eat him. And that's because she loves the taste of a nice, terrified Fresh, child. terrified child. Oh, the, the tears make it nice man. and salty. And, like, so and that's, at, the star- is that's the that's start? That's the start, and then in the, in the middle of all this, like he ends up coming with this way of thinking he's going to try to escape. He's going to splash this potion that he found, this possum potion in her face, and try to escape and it ends up backfiring. She splashes it on her, and she's like, my potions don't work on me, and then she spits it on him, and all of a sudden, poof, he becomes a possum. He manages to escape, but now he's the most cowardly animal in the forest, <laughs> and he's out in the middle of the forest, and now he can talk to other animals, and so he goes on this big adventure of like, he's alone, and he's a, he's an, he's a boy like cross, who's-
0: That's the threshold. That's the break into the... two, yeah.
1: So that's the big, and yeah, your movie posters, your fun and games, which happens at the beginning of Act 2, so that's the, you know, him as a possum because he's a boy who always dealt with his problems by screaming his head off when he's scared and as a possum the moment he tries to do that he passes he blacks out because that's a possum to do so he can't (laughs) that's awesome so he's in this and he's in the scariest position he's ever been in his life he's being pursued by a two headed monster a glorch he's in the forest coyotes want to eat him everything wants to eat him and he can't scream so like that's his world and he has to figure out he has 24 hours to like Get this curse to reverse the curse and make the potion to reverse it, otherwise, he'll be permanently a possum and he'll forget what being a boy was ever again and never see oh, his parents man. again. Are so. you so are you thinking about possibly selling even downloads of the PDF through your website or something, or is it only
0: going to be Patreon? Or right, gonna- until
1: I figure out what I'm going to do for publishing and stuff like that, right now, only Patreon members basically they're helping me proofread it. I mean, I've, I've already paid editors to edit it, but like taking They'll it from my text file things. and putting it into I format it all out with with images and stuff. And I've already found mistakes in there where like I messed up the text by formatting it. Uh, so I'm figuring that out right now. So, and I'm also just beta testing it on like, I read it to my kids and like, I actually, I wrote, I did 10 drafts of this thing. So like, uh, anytime a chapter didn't go over well, I went back to the drawing board. That's awesome. My kids love it now. Like I really, it was exciting. It's my favorite thing I've done. Is it
0: hard to retell the same story to them though? Like, yes,
1: because they're not, there's not that, uh, but that's when you know you have a really good chapter when they like to hear it again like those are the good ones that's not awesome. every chapter has to be that but like when you have those chapters that like yeah there's so really many cool ones.
0: elements that it's so satisfying they've to hear. heard it all what
1: they want to hear they they're in it, into it and you're reading it again that's really you know. cool that's really cool
0: that must be very that must be like of all the accolades, like, I would think, like, having your kids really, like, when my kids say they like one of my songs, which is, because I write so much music, and they're, yeah. like, they're, they're just immune to it sometimes, you know, Yeah, they've seen it so much. They're, like, that's pretty good, Dad.
1: Yeah. I'm, like, Ooh. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that was, because I, I did, I read them, I had gotten to where I really had a great, a great opening of the story, and the kids loved it. But then I got into like the middle ground area of the story between before act three and then like things get muddy and that it's always the hardest part of the story to write because your character is just slowly transforming and you have to make it believable that they transform without it being boring. And my kids were just bored out of their minds during that <laughs> part. I tried to do this whole chapter where he's having this philosophical conversation with a coyote and it was just like not working. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, getting my kids to like give me another chance after I bored the heck out of them with bad chapters. And for them through that, to be willing to listen again, which I actually paid them. I was like, "Okay, I know that you guys have heard the whole story already, so like in you different go. ways." You're but gonna
0: be my paid listener. It's
1: done now, I think, and I really want to read you. I I need to read the entire thing aloud once, and so will you be my listeners? And I'll actually pay you guys each. Like I think I paid them like twenty bucks a piece or something to be my nice. audience. Pretty sweet gig. Yeah, they were excited. So like, <clears throat> to basically paying them to listen to stuff they've already heard again all, with the whole they hadn't heard the ending yet because I kept. I kept stopping going, oh, I got to rewrite all those chapters and you guys can't hear the ending yet.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, well, good. So you yeah. sort of did hold something back. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, there was they still didn't know where it's going to go. Because if they knew, that, that does take away some of the, but, you know, good stories. You want to, I, I love watching movies I love again. I, I'm yeah. a big fan of Miyazaki's stuff because it's so interesting, like uh, Spirited Away and um oh, what's the other Ponyo I think my kids I've love always that stuff. meant to watch those I've oh, still oh, never watched them yeah you should de- oh they're so they're so weird yeah and um they're so good spirited away man you've yeah. got it you have got yeah, to watch, gotta it. watch you've got to tell me because I and it was like one of those movies that it's got those dangerous creepy elements mm-hmm. but it's also childlike mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain it it, it is a trippy movie mm-hmm. but I mean it's one of those movies I watch over and over and over and over again it's super inspiring yeah, you you got to watch that. Yeah, one. I got to watch it. It, it, it. It's on my list. What's your main webpage? What's the main place people should land to find everything that you are doing? All the things.
1: I mean, everything's linked on ethannicole.com.
0: Ethan Nicole. So E T H A N N I C O L L E. Exactly. Com. Good job. Ah, I spelled it right. Yeah. Two L's. Impressive. And Bambergeddon is two D's and yeah. one G. Yeah. All right. All right.
1: I mean, we could briefly talk about Rock Monster Story Club. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's. I've kind of taken a break on it. It's really, I posted it as a experiment. What is Rocket Monster Story Club? <laughs> it's a website. Um, and I really posted it as an experiment because I knew I had a kind of an idea of what I, I wanted to do. So I really threw a website up that was kind of like vague <laughs> <laughs> and just started experimenting and doing posts and stuff. And I think that I've started to narrow down what I want it to be. And it's actually what I want it to be is a bit different than what I've got up. So I think that if there's creators listening to this uh, podcast, that especially that want to make stuff for kids, my idea for Rocket Monster Story Club is, especially if you make comics or stories for kids, there's really kind of like a, a gateway to get to them. Sorry. Uh, pub- publishers are kind of like the gateway to kid audiences. So my idea with Rocket Monster is to create a fun, ongoing, like blog type of website that features different creators that doing stuff with kids uh you know creating stories and characters with them right like and, they introduce and yeah. you, know, you
0: introduce like
1: a story starter
0: yeah like a prompt and then the kids i saw this because i was like oh my gosh i want to send something out. i'm too old <laughs> uh uh you know like here's the first scene he, yeah the guy looks out the window and he's terrified what is it that he sees and then the yeah. kids draw something or send an idea and then yeah. you would continue it yeah kind of like what you did with uh, malachi yeah. I mean, it's so it, to, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, with Malachi being inspired and bouncing off mm-hmm. of ideas that that uh, kids provide and
1: yeah. So what I wanted to do with that is I wanted to make it a spot where like not just me but other artists do that stuff and like um, a trusted source of fun stories to read that are either by kids and creators and also creators that want to be involved in it. I'd post their stories too, like as far as like a free first few chapters or like a short story they did or something. So it'd be. Uh, my hope for it would it would grow into almost like an online collective of people that love good, fun stories that are just awesome. Like, not stories that are like teaching you how to save the earth or whatever. Like, there's plenty of those, but this is just awesome stories. You, you almost could just call it AwesomeStories.com, but like, it uh, bears with chainsaws. Yeah, <laughs> juggling so I just, unicorns. <laughs> I don't know. I'm working on it. So if if anything that we've talked about in there sounds at all interesting to you, contact. <laughs> yeah, contact me and just I'm trying to build up like a. A little collective of artists that like the idea of creating with kids and wanna reach kids without having to get through a publisher. Cause I think that over time, if it grew, it could be a place that like uh, parents would trust as a fun uh, place to just go and find cool creators and artists. I, and I stuff. think
0: that'd be something as a teacher, I could see a lot of teachers, uh, like art teachers or teachers that are teaching the story process or the mm-hmm. writing process. Yeah. Um, so if that's you and you think that, you know, you have kids you could plug in or whatever.
1: You know, yeah, I love to. Check That's something I would out. really like to do once I get that going. Like, I would like there to be like a mailing list where I just send out like, here's our next thing we're working on. Teachers have them, just ask their students and get stuff and mail it back, and like, just have this constant flow of stuff and fun, ridiculous ideas. Yeah, I like, I like the idea. I like the idea of what we've done so far. I just, I'm just trying to figure it out, and it's also, I think, trying to do it all all by myself. It's just too big for what i'm I can't do it only <laughs> so right right yeah. but I think I want to figure out how to get some partners in it start small and kind of slowly grow but I've talked about it I have a guy named Polly who's helping me out with uh was
0: oh, this your uh, social media guy
1: uh well' or on, this another person on rocket Monster, Polly Godbout he's in uh he's in some of the James Kennison's podcasts have you're you, have you
0: I know the, what that is. I can't is. remember if you're part of that. Things, but I'm not a part okay. of that. But tell, anyway, us, tell us about that. I would love he that. was on the
1: Save the Cat podcast. He's one of the guys on that one. Uh, uh, what was that one called? Movie Beatdown. Oh, i got to check that out, too. Um, I'll write this down. Movie Beatdown. Anyway, he, he really liked what I was doing on Rocket Monster and wanted to help out, so he kind of partnered with me on it. So we meet regularly and we're talking about what is it, what are we trying to do with it, what, what's the goal. I don't know. That, that's like my most like vague, yeah, that was vague. You can even cut that whole thing if you want. <laughs> no, no, we're leaving that.
0: Um, uh, any book recommendations, uh, local restaurants, uh, video games you're playing anything just to end on a, a high light note. Uh, what am I reading? What are you liking right now? What are you enjoying? What is in the brain of Ethan feeding the brain?
1: I will say for me? any dudes that like good action movies. <laughs> Bloodfather was awesome by Bloodfather. With Mel Gibson. <laughs> what?
0: Is that <laughs> an Gibson, old movie? It's new. It
1: was like, That's a new movie? Yeah, but it was like kind of went under the radar. <laughs> yeah. I've but never like if heard you like it. a good like just like you mess with my daughter, I'm gonna kill all of you kind of movie. He has several good movies. Yeah, like that, <laughs> like that yeah. And the, the last movie, like Edge of Darkness, came out a while back, which wasn't very good, but like this one like was great. All right. This but is I'm always this looking, better than the new J- Have you seen for the new him. Jason Bourne? I didn't like no, it. I haven't liked any of the. You Bourne didn't like movies. any of them. See,
0: I so, I, I kind of liked them. Um, they, I haven't they, been into the new James. I haven't been into James Bond. I, I liked it when I was growing up. But Bourne
1: and James Bond both feel like I don't know. how to Explain it like the, uh, just like the like the name brand of action movie. Like uh, right. But no, it's not actually good. Like I know I know an analogy in the world of cigars, which is kind of stupid, but like because I have a cigar smoker. But like anybody you talk to who doesn't smoke cigars thinks the top brand is Macanudo. That's what people always smoke at weddings and stuff like that, like cigar smokers, think of Macanudo as like, eh, it's, not it's like that the great. squire of yeah, cigar <laughs> squire. Well, squire you think of as the cheap, right? The cheap. Yeah, but that could be it. Like it's like the it's just the name everybody knows, right? It's just been popularized, and so it's it's made itself that like it's just made itself to appeal to the broadest so audience. What is the brand that uh, if you're
0: a, if you wanted to come off as a uh, an accomplished
1: <laughs> cigar smoker. Uh, what would you say to impress know, people at I'm a cocktail not, party? I mean, I'm not that like accomplished, but I'd say that. I mean, I know my favorite brand is Rocky Patel. I'll just say that. Okay, all right. Rocky at Patel. Least if, I, if you know that, if you know Rocky Patel, then you know these. Throw that sellers. out at a party, yeah. and then don't say anything else because if. Well, no if question. They'll, they'll further, they'll you what's, you your fa- <laughs> what's your favorite one? Oh crap! Oh, see, yeah. I wouldn't even know yeah. that there was another one. I have zero cigar smoking skills. Yeah.
0: Okay, so Blood Father. <laughs> blood father was my first recommendation. What?
1: Uh, what? What? Does that have a good Save the Cat moment? Yeah. Okay. All I'm right. Trying to think of what it was, but yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, because he's like this guy. Yeah, because he's a he's like this recovering guy with this dark past, but he's trying to like he's going to AA meetings and trying to turn his life around, and then all of a sudden his daughter shows up with like all these problems. She's got the crazy drug mafia after trying to kill her so like anyway it's pretty standard story which is well done he he does that story well he does done it many times and he's
0: he's settled into a good yeah he knows his uh
1: he knows what he's good at
0: comic you're reading right now i saw some recommendations for i did i love
1: scurry yeah i definitely recommend scurry i mean i think his kickstarter yeah his kickstarter's still going so check scurry out for sure i mean i think i will make one recommendation i made on barmageddon uh which is not a typical recommendation you'd get but i think that if you have a family these are this is like a thing that sometimes you need you really like to find and it's hard to find and that's an audiobook that the whole family can enjoy ooh which is like pretty hard to find and what's the what is it and again so the book is called bear in the back seat and it's a it's uh by this guy who was a ranger in the smoky mountain uh smoky mountains smoky something mountains sure that sounds right in <laughs> appalachian so he uh, has all these stories. Just every chapter is a different short story of like him dealing with bears and wild boars and like all the crazy <laughs> well, that stuff right that's happened what you're doing to him. Too, yeah, right? I, I, I read a lot of books about bears. This is research and just kind of inspire me for my stuff, Bermageddon. But I decided to turn it on when we went on a road trip. because so, like, I know there's no bad stuff in here. Like, there's no swearing or anything. It's just stories about bears. I'm like, I bet the kids, would, they might like it. Who knows? It was my birthday. So I was listen to whatever I wanted to. And uh, usually I make them listen to my "Every Song Is Perfect" uh, playlist that I created, which is very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> what is the first song on "Every Song Is Perfect" playlist? It's When a man loves a woman. Okay, that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. a perfect song. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. What's
0: what's song two? What do you follow up, What do you follow up with? Uh, when a man loves Question. a woman. do you know. It started uh, off with. Uh, now I mean in, I'm intrigued here. Yeah. This is that, that's a pretty. Yeah, I can't uh, remember. <laughs>
1: It starts. It starts off with like a lot of like old. Have oldies. you shared that playlist anywhere? Yeah, it's, if you go to my review of "Bear in the Backseat Seat" on Armageddon, which is pretty recent, on there. Okay. I mention that I usually make them listen to it, and there's a link to that on Spotify. That's which, awesome. That's so it's awesome. It's very okay, random. We're Spotify. I like very random <laughs> stuff, but yeah, I think I think it's public too. I don't know how you'd find it, but anyway, that's great. It's a great. <laughs> it's a fun listen just because he has like crazy stories about like. The, the day that he was fighting a fire and there was a squirrel in his pants like because he'd been camping or whatever and just <laughs> there is a getting, squirrel in yeah, his pants and like a bear getting loose inside of a building and like breaking its way out and stuff like just That's interesting awesome. crazy but it's also really wholesome and like you know it's it was fun so I, I think like Ron Swanson would read to his kids yeah or And it, you it's read or in a very Cole? southern drawl <laughs> like the guy's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> they probably love that too if they're yeah. the kids that aren't from the south you hear that there's like a yeah. musicality to the talking and, yeah just the way he
1: talks there you go. That's a recommendation.
0: All right. Well, everybody, this has been an awesome uh, create, explode, repeat with Ethan Nicole. Thank you for coming to my studio. This is great. You're my first official in studio guest. All right. Yeah. I went out I to like some it. other places, but I loved having <laughs> you here. So um, we will talk, and I will be posting this. This will we'll, we'll talk about that. I don't know when it's going to post. Cut. Okay. <laughs> there we go. And Sounds good. Cut. <laughs> This has been an interview with Ethan Nicole. If you haven't picked up one of his graphic novels, go immediately to his website and do it now. Leave a comment or tweet at him to let him know that you heard today's show. Please support Ethan and all the things by supporting his Patreon. And you can find him and all his things at www.ethannicole.com. Special thanks to you, my listeners, for sticking around and listening. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, please take a minute to leave a review and or share it with a friend. You can find me on the web at MrGROCKS.com. That's M R G E E R O C K S.com. I'm on Twitter at MrGFUN. M R G E E F U N. I'm your host, Mr. G, and you've been listening to Create, Explode, Repeat. See you next time.